Thank you to Union Pacific for their generous support as a sponsor of the NHI Podcast Network. Tercera realidad, mi libertad. Mi tercera realidad no es vanidad. Un mundo mío es mi sueño. This is NHI Notables with Ernesto Nieto, recorded at the National Hispanic Institute in Maxwell, Texas. Welcome to the next podcast, NHI Notables here at the National Hispanic Institute. This is Ernesto Nieto, President. Um, I'm very pleased to have two very special guests, I shouldn't say guests, members, founders, and, and different capacities. My wife, Gloria de Leon, is here with us. And because it's very special, it's a very special occasion uh, of having one of our alums come back from New Mexico a guy by the name of John Rodarte, that Gloria made it a, a special mission on her part to want to be part of this discussion. And then let me say hello to John, uh, to John Rodarte from Peñasco, Nuevo Mexico, northern New Mexico, who was one of the original participants of the 1988 New Mexico LDZ. So John, welcome. Thank you, Ernie, and thank you, Gloria, for, for being here. You have no idea how awesome and important it is for 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 me to reconnect with NHI. Um, it's It's been a long process. Want to thank you both for the opportunity to be here with you guys today. So last night we were in Austin uh, enjoying a dinner with another famous personality by the name of John F. Lopez. And the reason that Gloria invited John was because John was one of the original senior counselors who accompanied us. Other notables that were there were George Rodriguez. At the time, he and Michelle Rodriguez had not yet met. As a matter of fact, uh, George went with me to the airport, as I recall, to go meet Michelle. We know the rest of the story about that. And of course, Julio Cotto is also a person that went to the New Mexico LDZ, where he enjoyed being the lieutenant governor, as memory serves me correct. Yes, and I also staffed uh, a few programs with John in New Mexico. Mm -hmm. uh, That's right. And we, we also played a couple nerd games, which we won't talk about right now. But, <laughs> but yeah, I know John well. So I'm going to ask Gloria to lead off with a question because, you know, Gloria has been the principal architect of the LDZ. And I remember very well us going to New Mexico and our first attempts of being in Santa Fe and going over to St. John's University and eventually ending up at New Mexico or University of New Mexico where we held the first program. And the history starts at that point and it moves forward. And in the process of this history, we meet very interesting young people, young men and women like John, uh, who in the voice or opinion of Tony Morales, who lives today in the Dallas-Fort Worth community, said he gave one of the most classic speeches and that he still thinks he has a copy of that, John, by the way. Wow. He does. Whenever you gave your, <laughs> your speech. And so I asked him to dig into his files and wow. maybe even put it. So, Gloria, I'm going to turn it over okay, to you. Okay, thank you. Uh, this is Gloria de Leon. And um, in 1988, one of the reasons that I was so excited to have John actually come to Maxwell again is that uh, this is the 30th anniversary of the 1988 New Mexico LDZ. Uh, it was a pivotal experience for us, and I felt like John could represent 
the introduction that we had to the students of New Mexico. And we were in New Mexico uh, hosting programs between 1988 to, I think, 2002. Uh, so my question to you, John, is uh, here you were a high school student and you were introduced to NHI for the first time. Uh, tell me who you were. Well, I guess I guess one of the the if I want to be as honest as possible, I could I could describe myself as a very introverted student in Penasco High School in Penasco, New Mexico, up in the San Cristo Mountains. I was quite invisible in school. I remember going to school with my cousins, and they don't recall me being anywhere in the room, even though I spent the entire year behind uh, one of my cousins' desks. I was an aspiring student. I was—I knew I was going to be college-bound. I knew that I was going to uh, be accepted to someplace great. But what I what I didn't know was the 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 steps of the journey that I was about to, to embark when I became involved with the application process for uh, being part of the Lorenzo de Savala Youth Legislative Session. There was a lot of anxiety uh, being part of that process. I remember calling up Gloria because we had questions about what to do. And I called up the Institute. And I was astounded to actually be talking with Gloria de Leon because it was her name and Ernie's name that was on all of the, uh, the, the brochures and the applications. And immediately there was a, a connection. I remember saying, I can't believe I'm talking to you, Gloria de Leon. And she said, I can't believe I'm talking to you, John. And I had never before been engaged on that level ever uh, with regards to a person I had just met, I knew immediately that this was a, a program that I had to be a part of. So when uh, it when it came time to actually enroll, I remember being almost led by the hand by my father to come to this program. And I remember other senior counselors took note of that. And it took a lot to get me out of my shell. Uh, when the program began... It was clear that we were surrounded by people who not only looked like us, but were just as smart, if not smarter than us. They had dreams and aspirations, and absolutely nothing was going to get in their way. And what made all of this possible was the inspiration that we received from both Ernesto Nieto and Gloria de Leon over the course of the program. When we walked in, as I I, 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 I probably couldn't, I can't speak for others. I walked in as a meek and humble Hispanic. When I walked out, I was the center of the universe. I swear to you. Uh, <laughs> I think that's great. I, I, for the one time in my whole life, I swear I could feel the whole earth revolve around me. That's the kind of impact that came from the program. It was completely transformational, self-affirming, and it was the foundation of the success that I had in college and throughout my professional career. And hands down, I, I will credit nothing else than that, because had it not been for 
the LDZ, and for NHI, and for Ernie and Gloria. Anything that I have done within my professional life over the last 30 years either would have been stunted, thwarted, something would have transpired that would have, that would have kept me from being able to serve not only the Hispanic populations that I have throughout uh, New Mexico as, a, as an educator there, but it also would have, I think it would have shrank me as an individual. I know that you came from Peñasca. A lot of people may not know it's a tiny, it's a tiny village in northern New Mexico. Beautiful place, north of, not too far from Taos, I think 20, 20 30 minutes uh, by mountain road. Tiny little village that you would probably blink and pass by and never notice. What, what, what position did you run for? Anyone who's in NHR would want to know what position did you run for? What did you end up doing at the LDZ? I think a lot of people, when they look at the structure of, of the LDZ, immediately dream about being the governor, being the lieutenant governor. Um, what was so amazing about the program is that even if you didn't make those, those positions, that there were plenty of others to participate in, whether you were a senator or a Supreme Court. I made a strategic position, a decision to, to become a member of the Supreme Court. I knew that if I was going to fit into this particular structure, that would be my best role. I did not want to necessarily administrate, but I did want to be an arbiter for right and wrong. And <laughs> uh, I, I really felt that the Supreme Court would give me that that opportunity to be able to seek justice in a world, you know, and I don't want to, you know, make it sound cliche, in a world of injustice. It's just that when, when, you, when you grow up Hispanic in the United States, it doesn't matter how far away you are removed from it, you are still exposed to the images uh, on media and in television uh, that relinquish you to a diminutive role. So let, let me quantify that. In, New, in Penasco, New Mexico, there was no cable television uh, there. While, while the rest of the country had it, you know, we, we did not. There was, you know, the, the cables didn't, just didn't reach that far. They didn't go that far? No. Everyone had antenna TV <laughs> and we had one channel <laughs> and that was it. <laughs> and even then, anytime you saw a, a person of Hispanic descent in the television, they were a maid, they were a uh, gas pumper, they were, they had always had some uh, role of servitude. And there was absolutely no one in the media that we could identify as a role model or as somebody that we could aspire to be like. It All of that changed when we came to the LDZ because immediately we were surrounded by people who were already attending the colleges that we dreamed of going to. This is going to sound strange, but uh, when, when we as, you know, I was a junior in high school and I had to make a decision about where I wanted to go. And that decision was made entirely and, you know, maybe even foolishly, but uh, my senior counselor, uh, one of the senior counselors there was uh, George Rodriguez, who was attending the University of Notre Dame. Wow. And I immediately identified with him. And even though, you know, um, I wasn't necessarily part of his group, I, I was their additional member. And I remember saying, 
you know, there's, there's, there's counselors here from Stanford and from Vassar and from all of these great colleges. And I said, but if all the people at Notre Dame are as cool as, as George Rodriguez, he's a cool guy. <laughs> <laughs> he's a cool I guy. I want to go there, he says. I said, that's where I want to go. And oh, my mind was. So you were going to be cool just great, like George. That's such a great story. So that's 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 how I said that's that's it that's that's the one that's the one for me, and yes I did apply to some other colleges and I got uh, I got accepted by everyone except Stanford, but Notre Dame was the last one that I got the notice from, and I remember, rec- you know, receiving the the huge uh, overstuffed uh, envelope that finally said you are now going to be a member of of the University of Notre Dame, and. understand and that was that was it it was the culmination of everything that we had aspired to achieve through NHI it was the real deal confirmation that yes there was nothing uh, on this earth that we could not accomplish Um, I didn't know at the time what I was going to put my family through because um, it wasn't until my brother also went away uh, to another college that I understand what I put the rest of my family through. It was completely heartbreaking uh, to have that separation. But at the same time, we knew that we were doing a, a tremendous good and we were taking advantage of an opportunity that we, that we couldn't ignore. So, John, let me, let me ask you, going back to the LDZ, and then I'm, I'm, I'm going to ask Gloria to, to kind of consider a question because last night in our conversations, Gloria made a point of saying, I'm heartbroken that we've, we left New Mexico. And, and there you were listening to this conversation with us last night at the house and early this morning. And, and I wanted to get Gloria's views as to why she made that comment and how you might respond. But if, if you were to say two or three highlights, of, of your LDZ experience that continue to stick as being important at part of that little journey of a week long, what, what would they sound like? Two or three highlights. Well, if, if people are going, I think that, uh, I think it's, I would probably end up repeating a lot of what has already been said in the sense that you don't know what you're getting into. But when you get out, you will not be the same. Uh, I remember Gloria mentioning that it, it, it's a journey. And no one quite understands that's what they're about to embark on. And it is, it is the most phenomenal, uplifting, it, it feeds your soul. And it feeds your identity in a way that... that that can isn't I've never seen the like it, it, it's never been replicated I would say that if you are serious about connecting to who you are as a person as a, a, a person of Latino descent in, in this country or any other country if you are serious about the relationships and the commitment and the connections that you have to your family and to your community uh, there is nothing that prepares you more for 
maintaining that connection in the face of overwhelming uh, competition for your identity. That um, that it will be a source of constant strength and un unbreakable uh, fortification against the the travails and the uh, of of life. We have a unique experience that no one else is going to be able to walk this path for us. This is our path. It's, it's been laid out for us as Latino people. No one can take these steps for us. Um, and this is precisely what we need in, uh, in, order, to, in order to take every step. You know, it's uh, it's it's a it's a pathway from the beginning of whenever whenever you start all the way to the end of your life, and you will be eternally grateful, thankful, you know, for everything that happens. And last thing I wanted to say about that is that when I when being here with you is a I'm here in in all in 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 deepest gratitude for all everything that has transpired with NHI before we were part of the program, after we were part of the program, all the way until now. Our love for this program is is undying. And uh, it is through, you know, out of humility and so much respect that uh, I am in, 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 in thanks that I'm here. And I want everyone to know that. Everyone who hears this podcast needs to understand that, that, um, it is a sacred relationship. I would, I, if, if there was a word that I would, I would call it. It is, it is something that you, you know, it's, it's. Um, you're willing to do anything and everything for to make any sacrifice. It's, um, and it's done out of love. It's done out of love and dignity, for uh, your raza, for your people, for your community, for your family. I wanted to shift over a little bit to Gloria and and. Maybe you two can discuss it further and, and, and just when she made that comment, like I said, about being heartbroken, what what makes New Mexico, in your view, Gloria, so important? I think that just traveling, New Mexico uh, was our first out-of-state experience. You know, we, we were founded in Texas. We had had uh, a good five years of experience, yeah. as I said. We're last real night. experts. We by were that. experts by the time we went to New Mexico. Five years of experience, and particularly with the LDZ, it was our sixth year. And um, and what I what struck me the most, not only the beauty and the spirituality of that community, of the entire state of New Mexico, but meeting the students. And John, to me, has always been the the person that I think of when I think about what is a student from New Mexico, uh, because uh, there was there was a, a a depth and sincerity and an and an innocence. I you know I, I used that word last night and it's true, is that you know when you, as we have known and seen and we've traveled across the country since 1988 uh, and been exposed to so many different types of individuals, so many different types of backgrounds you know, the contrast between urban and rural and is that I know from from my personal uh, experience growing up is that it reminded me so much of the Rio Grande, Rio Grande Valley of Texas is that, you know, it, it, there's, there's this sense of being connected and you don't lose that connection 
to your extended family, which was what we were trying to create in the LDZ. We were trying to develop the relationships and the connections, the lifetime uh, 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 continuity uh, of knowing where you came from, who you belonged to, someone that knew you, someone that remembered how you grew up, who your mother and dad were, who your theos were. You know, they were, they could tell stories of you when you were little. I mean, that that was something that came through so clearly in New Mexico. And I wish, honestly, that I could say, hey, we came across it in other areas of the country, but we haven't. We have not encountered that. And so um, the years that we were in New Mexico, to me, were the happiest, not only because we had like a traveling roadshow, we did the van, and we had, you know, mad dog, and senior counselors and junior counselors in the van, you know, packed up. And there was just so many exciting things that we did during that time period. But New Mexico was how we would kick off our summer. And it was like the injection that we needed. But more significantly, I think that, um, and John and I talked about this last night and this morning, and, and I do want you to talk about it, is that we think in terms of what the long-term implication is of these leadership experiences that NHI has done as the prototype for the type of Latinos and Latino leaders we expect to emerge in this country. And from an ethical and spiritual and and just camaraderie. And even moral. Mm-hmm. And moral. You Absolutely. Know, is moral. that when you take a look at the role of ethics and all those things, you know, I I I feel like they are, they they exist inside of NHI. We have those young men and women as we see them emerging now. They're they're there, but I think that we have the opportunity to further define it. And uh, New Mexico is an excellent example in my heart. How, how do you respond to that, John? I mean, that's, that's quite a description. Um, I'm from Houston, so you know, I'm not one of those caring communities that Claudia <laughs> talks about. But uh, uh, I was born where I was born, I, and I support it. Go ahead. I think when everything that Gloria just mentioned, I, I again, I probably can't speak for, for anybody but myself, but those lessons that we learned in that one week carried through with us all the way through college and, and through our professional life. And everything, every decision that we made, or that I can say that I made, was about measuring up to the standard of expectation that was established by, by NHI. I specific, as I, I chose to be an educator, and the reason why I chose to be an educator is because uh, originally I intended to stay in Peñasco, New Mexico, and if I was going to serve my community and remain a, a resident there, I'd have to go into the education field. Uh, after I became an educator, it was not just in Peñasco, but also in Pecos, in Las Vegas, in um, Roe, New Mexico, we served the communities. And I, I made a very conscious decision that of all the people that I could serve, it was going to be uh, the people of New Mexico. Um, as I grew in my profession, the decisions that I had to make in terms of services that we were offering and who can and should be served always came down to are we are we doing justice to our people? 
I'm, I benefited from the fact that I had a great mother and a great father. Uh, we were raised in a place where we, well, if, if, if you grew up in, in Peñasco, New Mexico, you may not have wealth, but the thing that, that you have, I mean, in terms of money, but you never, ever, ever saw the world in those terms. We wanted and needed for nothing. There was nothing, there was, there was, um, how should I put it? Like, there wasn't anything, we had each other. What more, what more could we ask for? I mean, that was, that was something that, um, that we always knew we, we couldn't be without. And when we take those values to, I would say, like, I don't know if you want to call it the real world, if you want to call it the professional world, uh, those are the things, those are the only things that matter. You know, when, you know, the basis of everything that I've done as an educator is the, is the student being served, are their needs being met? Uh, what can we do to make sure that whatever this person needs in order to get from where they are to where they need to be is is that falls that responsibility falls on my shoulders and uh we were not uh, we were not going to let anyone uh we weren't going to fail any of our kids we knew that the difference between the kids uh who you know in in a barrio or folks you know who um are relegated to to um, uh, places where they don't want to be, and the kids who graduate from Harvard and Yale and Princeton, it it all just the only thing that there there was no difference between those kids except for the amount of support that they received. Um, I know that I could not have accomplished what I have done without the benefit of uh, my parents, without the benefit of all of the people in NHI because they don't just provide support. You know, what, what they do, they have an unconditional love. That is a, that is a, that's probably its greatest source of strength. It's, and that, that is what gets people from the 20th, 20th century into the 21st. That's what gets you from now until kingdom come. And now for a quick break. The National Hispanic Institute is an organization with a 37-year history of working to change the social narratives of our young Latinas and Latinos to help them envision a new America, a new Latino community, a new direction, and a different kind of culture. We want our young people to be inspired by who they are and see the asset value of our culture and these 800 million people in this vast amount of land that starts all the way in Canada and goes all the way to the tip of Argentina. Our hope for an alum is that, A, that they have the mindset of giving back to their community, that they want to help, they want to contribute. And B, is that they realize this throughout their entire lives and make leadership part of their overall journey throughout their whole life. The National Hispanic Institute has been part of my life for as long as I can remember. It has literally educated and re-educated an entire generation or two now of young Latinos and their allies around the country, around the world, to think about our community 
and think about our role in the community as being change agents and ultimately in advancing the cause and the needs of our community. Personally, the National Hispanic Institute has helped me reach goals and do things that I didn't think I was going to be able to do before. And so what we did was create these learning experiences where young people could learn to be in charge of things. We just encourage people to go way beyond a career in life. We want to see them have a community calling. NHI is a place where I come and I have to learn how do I pass on values. And then the benefit of that self-belief that it's possible, things are possible for all of us and that we can contribute to the success of others. We look at the richness of our community at its value, at its capacities, and we go from that point forward. We don't want our young people to look at themselves and their communities and look down. We want them to look up and be inspired. And now back to the conversation. I think that I think that Julio does not want to be eliminated from this discussion. No. And so there, I want you to chime in and raise whatever questions you I, want. I too get heartbroken about. Uh, New Mexico, given that that's where my my LDC was. Um, one thing that you write about Ernesto that I think Gloria was also alluding to is that was the first big move into a new state. Um, and I remember after my LDC or as a junior counselor in New Mexico telling Ernie, it's like, this works, this works everywhere. It should. Mm -hmm. What do you think about NHI worked in New Mexico? And I know that was one of the big fears that you both had about leaving Texas or would it be resonated the same way or would it be received or understood? What do you think it was? That made LDZ work. That NHI leaving Texas, going into New Mexico and then from there beyond, that was a first big like landmark move for the organization. Being a Texas organization going into New Mexico, what do you think about I think it? it comes, uh, I think it comes down to unconditional acceptance. I think what I think is very hard for uh, Latino people of the United States is that they are not unconditionally accepted. Uh, they, their entry into everything has a condition. If, like, completely, like you, you know, if um, if you want to succeed in academics, you have to get, you have to give up your proficiency in Spanish. If you want to participate in American communities, you must de-identify with everything that made you Hispanic, and walk and talk in the in the in, in the manner of what is ex expected of an assimilated American. So, who you are is invalidated almost, you know, automatically if you want to pursue anything having to do that's in the in the context of being an American. Um, what was so incredible about LDZ is that, and, and, and the New Mexico LDZ in 88, is that we were accepted for who we already are. And I don't think anyone had ever really encountered an environment like that. It was, you did not have to prove anything. You did not have to, to prove your worth or your, um, there wasn't a hurdle that you, you were already a part of it. And I think it was, it was completely shocking to, to, to everyone there to discover that 
it, it was okay to be them. And from that point on, it was if if there's if there's if there's one thing I think that everyone needs to know, and I, I think it's been said over and over and over again, no matter what narrative you look at, whether it's a it's a Latino narrative or any kind of you know non-Latino narrative, people need uh, to to belong. And when you find out that all this time, like you have always belonged, you have always been loved, you have always been supported and by people you've never even met it's 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 uh it's 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 hard it's hard to communicate that in words i want to interject here because i want to make sure that that it's included in this in this uh recording because it's a good segue you know we we kind of went around and you were remembering different people that you've run into Mm -hmm. and stayed in touch with in new mexico and I wanted you to share the story of uh, of William, because it, this it represents the residual of how long and how powerful these memories, recollections, you know, stay in the minds of other students from New Mexico. What I can tell you immediately is that all of the people that I that I I've known at the New Mexico LDZ are still my lifelong friends. Uh, it does not matter the amount of time that has transpired uh, since then. I know that at any time uh, when I when I connect with these folks, it's as if thirty years ago was yesterday. Um, I have a spectacular friend. His name is William Chavez, and we both attended the New Mexico eighty-eight LDZ. He was a senator, and I was a, a justice. Um, all of us had um, a piece of legislation we were trying to advance through. Uh, the House and the Senate, and he was representing my particular bill. And all of us went through that experience. All of it was great. It was fantastic. But when all was said and done, we still connected. He was from Las Vegas, New Mexico, and every chance that I had, I would visit him until we graduated and we we both went our separate ways. He went to MIT. He became an engineer, and he worked for Sandia National Labs in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And he was there for a long time until the recession hit and uh, many jobs went away uh, during that time. And Albuquerque is still in recovery of that. But in order to uh, make ends meet for his family, he had to relocate to North Carolina and he was working there for a while. And then uh, he finally uh, took up residence in Minnesota. But before he moved his family there, he had to come pick up his family here in New Mexico, staying while he uh, staying with his family in Las Vegas uh, before he relocated to Minnesota. And he happened to pass by. He told me a story about how he passed by Hokona Hall. So for anyone who doesn't know, uh, Hokona Hall was the the residence hall where all of the New Mexico LDCs took place. And it was it's a it's a very interesting building. It's two hexagons connected by uh, one hallway. So the boys were on one side, the the um, the the girls were on the other. At the University of New at Mexico. The, at the University of New Mexico, and um, someday we're going to have to relate all of the crazy activities that that, that transpired there. But um, it's been since turned into a girls' dorm, which means you know if, if you're not a resident, you're not getting in, and. <laughs> 
William Hamilton walked by, and he was with his family, uh, his with his family, and all of a sudden, there's you know there's tears coming down his eyes, and um, they couldn't stop, and of you know of course the you know what what transpires next you know there's 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 concern over you know well, what's going on how's this feeling and, and how do you relate you know this overwhelming experience of the LZ like all it took was just us walking by the building and i've had that exact same feeling every time that uh, i've gone i've i've walked past Tocona Hall cuz i i live in Albuquerque New Mexico i i was taking classes there recently and it's it's hard like <laughs> You just have to stop everything that you're doing and just try to come to grips with the the greatness and and the love and the the the, the affirmation everything that transpired there. Um, it's it's uh, you know he he everyone that I've spoken to that's ever gone through it they say the exact same thing. You know it's it's uh, and we're we're old already. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we're talking about an event, you know, that's th- that's 30 years ago already this year. And, but, but, uh, it, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. It's, it's that important. It's that fantastic. And, um. Vado Maldonado from Colorado State University used to call it uh, a significant emotional experience. Because it's true. It's like that embedded, imprinted, you know, residual that, that, doesn't matter. I mean, I was thinking about the same hall in, at, at Colorado State. Uh, but uh, I was going to ask you, <clears throat> you and I were having a conversation at our home this morning about the loss, the loss that's occurred as a result of NHI no longer being in New Mexico. I, um, I know how emotional you are about it. I know how other people have been very emotional about it. And I have asked the question all over and over of what are we prepared to do and why, why, and I, the listening audience needs to hear this message very clearly. Why are these moments in our development of future leaders for the Latino community, why are these moments so darn important? And what made the LDZ one of those moments in your life? I think what uh, what what makes the, the power of LZ comes from the the master the masterful approach on the part of both um, the creative input of both yourself and, and Gloria to achieve something that no an objective that there there is no other program that does this prior to your experience in LDZ. You see the world in limited terms. You need permission from everyone. After the LDZ experience, you realize that the whole world belongs to you, all of it. That there are no obstacles. There are no, there's nothing that stops you from doing anything ever. Um, that kind of empowering affirmation is precisely why uh, the presence is required in New Mexico again. As an educator, I am surrounded by uh, hundreds of educational communities 
that do not impart this lesson on its students. It's not something that is available in a standard education process, and it doesn't transpire in public education or in uh, charter school education. It, uh, while there are many schools and programs that describe leadership, none of them capture or even really come close to what is available and offered through the NHI experience. And when communities are deprived of that, uh, that access to that kind of, uh, of, of affirmative program, then our state loses the capacity to take advantage of, to develop the dreamers, the ones that are going to bring us forward. Uh, I remember in our conversation that we really, f that I know that um, you expressed the concern that uh, New Mexico is very good at preserving its past. And that's been a great focus. Uh, and it's done a lot to, to, to preserve the identity, the heritage, and the culture there. But there is not necessarily a vision to move us forward. There is no one articulating what that vision is going to be. That requires dreamers, innovators. It requires people who have already reached that stage in their life that they, and they have the, they have the power and the position to make it happen. And I think what needs to transpire, well, what is, is going to transpire is um, the NHI presence is going to be reestablished in New Mexico. And it's going to be done by people who already have, uh, have gone through this experience. And they, they are going to do this because uh, not only are we ethically uh, obligated to do so, but uh, it is for love of our community that we must uh, pass on this tradition not just for the benefit of the Latino community, but also for, for selfishly for, for, for New Mexico. Uh, this is a legacy. That's, it's, it's, uh, it is a sacred legacy that, that firmly establish us, establishes us as a people with a future. I wanted to end now with a final question that I've been thinking about. I know there's a reason that Gloria invited you uh, and I know that your friendship runs deep and historical and I know how much she values your friendship of course I love you a lot too you know that I don't have to explain it I, I, I uh, we, we love the both of you so, so here, <laughs> last night as you were visiting with us and spending a night at our home you got up and brought back some artifacts I was just wondering just to close out this session why you were a Supreme Court justice. You received an award for that. But that's not the trophy you brought back. That's not. You brought back there. I brought back the... I, I was... Uh, okay. <laughs> uh, for people who don't know, let, let me try to explain what happened at the New Mexico LDZ. Um, I, all I wanted, all I wanted to do was, 
you know, because I was surrounded by such greatness by my peers, I, I said, if I can walk out with just, just one award, I'd be happy if I got, uh, you know, an award for, you know, justice. And, and I did. But I remember uh, there were these spectacular and fantastic awards that were being uh, they were being put out there. I remember most promising male, most promising female. But it looked to me like there was one particular award that boy did they build up, and it was the Ricky Miranda Memorial Award. And at the time, we were introduced to who Ricky Miranda was, and uh, we knew immediately that. Uh, whoever received that award was worthy of something special. And it was also, it was also communicated to everyone there that um, uh, this is something that um, is selected by, by the peers. It's not something that's chosen by um, the, 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 the folks who were running the show. My parents were there. Everyone's parents were there. We had already seen a life-changing um, slideshow that showed us as, you know, the, the great people of the world. And when, when all was said and done, I remember thinking to myself, boy, uh, boy, like, wh whoever got that, that, that's really super awesome. I don't know who it is, but, you know, they... You know, I kept saying I, I I just really respect and admire who who that person is, and then they called my name, and Gloria said, "This is going to our man from Peñasco, John Rodarte." I was stunned to this day. I couldn't move. I I I stood there with my mouth open. I had to be pushed. Uh, by my peers to accept the award, and I was—I thought it was a dream. It—I couldn't believe that my peers had selected me for that award. I was in the midst of people like Michael Padilla. I was in the midst of people like Carlos Hernandez. I was in the midst of people who I know were going to go on in life and accomplish far more than I, I could ever do in whatever pathway that I ended up being. But I, I received that award. And uh, it's been a, a treasure in my family for all these years. Um, I've moved many times, but my father did a really good job of, you know, he's, he's kept it all this time. Uh, in Benyasco, New Mexico, until he moved here to Albuquerque, New Mexico. And just before I got on the plane, I said, I have to show Ernie and Gloria that after all this time, mm -hmm. the very first one ever given in New Mexico, mm -hmm. I still have it. They need to know that. They need to see that I've, I've paid tribute to it. And to the family of Ricky Miranda, I'm like, I've done everything that I could in my life to live up to the expectations of that award. There, if I never receive another award in my whole life, it does not matter. I've received that one. <laughs> I, know, I know. I know that we're going to have to draw this to a close, uh, or else we're all going to cry ourselves to death. Uh, it's been 
absolutely a wonderful and gratifying experience to have you with us. And not only remember, uh, but like I said, Gloria seems to have that inner spirit of knowing uh, people far deeper than sometimes I'm able to get. And I appreciate the fact that you've stepped forward and you've said, hey, I'll take the lead in New Mexico. Let's get it going. Uh, let's take the programs there. And a lot of people will be contacted as a result and motivated to bring this experience back to where it belongs and la cuna de la cultura of our okay. community. It's it's a place that I don't talk a lot about, but I know it's very close to my heart and will always be. And every time I say to Gloria, hey, let's go relax somewhere, it's always, let's go to New Mexico. So, John, closing comments. I want everyone who hears this program, this this podcast to 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 know this. There have been quite a few people who have have uh, that have participated in NHI programs. Whether you were part of the New Mexico LDC or any other NHI program, whether it's the Great Debate, the uh, the Collegiate World Series, if you, somewhere down the line you're going to hear this, and I want you to know that. We have never forgotten you, ever, ever, ever. Um, we still love you. And we want to see you again. It doesn't matter how much time has passed. It doesn't matter. Um, none, of, none of that stuff matters. It doesn't matter how much time has gone by, how many pounds we've gained, how many wrinkles we've got, how many, how much hair we've lost, anything along that sort. We love you. We want to be with you again. I don't want the New Mexico LDC to be the one and only time that we're all together in that one place. There's no reason why it should. We want everyone to uh, return. It doesn't matter if you were from if you are in New Mexico or if any other part of the world that you're in, um, whether you're in Texas or any place else, uh, let's recreate the magic. Ernie and Gloria have done so much for us, and um, it's it's our turn. It's they've prepared us. We're ready, and it doesn't matter what what path you've gone into. It doesn't matter what degree you've gotten. Doesn't matter what you've achieved. It None of that matters. Just come and uh, be a part of us one more time. Thank you. John Rodarte, 1988. For more information on the National Hispanic Institute, please visit our website, www.nationalhispanicinstitute.org. Call us at 512-357-6137. Find us on Facebook, at NHIHQ, or on Twitter, NHI underscore news, and at Instagram and Snapchat, NHI underscore news. Thank you to Union Pacific for their generous support as a sponsor of the NHI Podcast Network.